yorkshirepost.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we will be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Robshall, to discuss all of the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging onto our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport, as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at YP Sport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at jpimedia.co.uk. As mentioned earlier in the intro, this week we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Wofflow. Good morning, lads. Morning. Morning. Right, um, let's kick this week off by looking at Leeds United, uh, who, after a depressing home defeat to Aston Villa, faced Norwich City in a must-win game. In spite of dominating throughout and seeing the return of Patrick Bamford, uh, the Whites seemed to have thrown away two points until Joe Gelhard scored the winner five minutes into stoppage time. Uh, Leeds are still too close to the drop, and the next few fixtures will be crucial, but having broken that losing streak, do you think that Jesse Marsh and the squad will be looking forward to the challenge ahead, Stuart? Oh, they'll definitely be looking forward to it, absolutely. When you've, when you've won a game, you... you uh... You can't wait for the next one. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a, it was a big win for them just because of the character they had to show. You know, it looked like looked like it was going to be one of those draws that felt like a defeat, and they, and they pulled it out of the fire. But uh, I mean, the thing is, you've you've already alluded to it. It it, it was one win. Um, you know, we've we've seen we saw Brentford the other week, and it looks like they've almost pulled away from danger on the back of beating Norwich, but then following it up by beating Burnley. And now that's what Leeds have got to do. They've got to follow it up uh, at Wolves, which is a, you know, um, a difficult place to go. They've been having a, a, a sort of better season than a lot of people have, have noticed this year, really. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they had a, they had a little bit bit of a wobble a couple of weeks ago, but they've, they've got back-to-back wins since. So it's not going to be easy to go there and win, certainly. But, they, but Leeds need to at the very least, follow up that positivity, which was huge at Ellen Road. I mean, you know, the, the atmosphere at the end, it was it was incredible, really, for, for you know, effectively scraping a win against the worst team in the Premier League. Um, you know, it, it, but it was just the manner in which they did it and obviously how, how, how necessary that win was. Um, you really feel that that can give them com- well, that will give them confidence going into the Wolves game. But of course, it'll all dissipate if they have a poor ninety minutes at Molyneux. So they they really have to follow it up now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it was important. That, I mean, I went to the and I Stuart did the the Norwich game. I went to the the uh, Aston Villa game a few days before that, and it was you know it was a torrid night, you know, for for everyone really. Um, you know, a desperately poor performance. Villa played well. But you know, Leeds were were incredibly poor, and you know it was. You just sense for everyone, for the you know the supporters, the players, for their own sort of 
you know, well-being almost that they, they had to win against um, against Norwich. It would have got, I'm sure it'd have got pretty toxic if they'd not um, not done that. I mean, the, the encouraging thing for me, I mean, obviously it was great for the young Gellhard to get the get the glory at the end. And I just marvelled how he went up and won the header against a six foot two centre half first of all to start the move. That was a that was quite something, but it was good to see people. I mean, Rodrigo, I thought he had a really, really poor game against Villa. He got brought off at, at half time, and there were a lot of questions, you know, being asked about him. You go on social media these days, and you know, everything sort of poured over and dissected. He got a lot of criticism, and I, I thought he, you know, particularly showed a fair bit of fair bit of character there, and you could see what it. Um, uh, you know what it what it meant to him. So you know that was encouraging. You know all the other players, you know stepping up as well. Klitsch had a had a had a decent game, and uh, yeah, yeah, they showed some some guts and character to just get over the line. It didn't really matter how they did it, but, uh, but they did. And um, they're gonna need those those warriors in the in the weeks ahead. You know the Ailings and the Stuart Dallases, but you know also it's gonna be a team effort, isn't it? You you know with the likes of you know you sort of flare players and Rodrigo's and. And the and the Rafinha's, you know, it's um, going to be a real team effort to hold them over the, over the line because it's been the sort of season where there's going to be more ups and downs. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in fairness, Leeds should have put Norwich out of sight in the first hour, but it was that familiar pro- uh, problem of not putting their chances away. And, and and one thing I do worry about ever so slightly is y- y- you have this thing, don't you, Liam? When when a player's out injured. They can become yeah. the best player in the world all of a sudden, and yeah. and, and yeah. Patrick Batford's come back into that side, and it's it's you know there's almost an expectation from some that Patrick Batford's going to yeah. come in and solve all our problems. Well, yeah. you know he, he missed a couple of good chances. He he does miss chances, Patrick Batford. Uh, he's you know he's but Leeds create you know he did really well last season because Leeds created so many good chances for him. So yeah. Yeah. Others have to others have to chip in and and just not leave the goal scoring burden to him. Essentially, is the is the point of making. As Leon said, Rodrigo was really good um, against Norwich. I thought Rafinha did well in the sense that he hit the woodwork a couple of times, but he had he had the presence of mind to do the right thing to set up Gelhard's goal rather than try and shoot from a tight angle. Mm. And uh, yeah, there's just going to a few people are going to have to. Step up to the plate, really, and 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 improve the finishing because it, it can't all be left on Bamford's shoulders, and certainly not Gelhart's as a, a, a as a teenager. Um, there needs to be there needs to be more chipping in because as 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 much notice of, as we take of Leeds' defensive problems, they haven't been scoring enough goals this season, uh, certainly this this year either. No. Yeah, I, th- I think if Bamford, if he can get some more minutes on. You know, on on the clock into his legs against Wolves. You know, let's hope he, you know, getting a goal a bit would be nice as well. And he can really, you know, concentrate in those two weeks. He can, he can um, you know, work closely at Thorpe Arch with, with Marsh and really get a get ahead of steam and get to, you know, hopefully his optimum fitness for the um, you know the the last weeks of, of the season. That's that's got to be the hope. You know, he's, he'll have a few match minutes. He'll have sharpened up. Really, you know, hit his straps in that final training period to to prepare himself for you know the, you know the defining part in, in Leeds United season. That's that's going to be the hope. Yeah, yeah, and and he certainly does make them a better team. And you know, I think I think under Marsh, and it's something you know they did at times under Bielsa. Um, Leeds Leeds aren't afraid to go direct, and you know, 
sometimes a bit of a dirty word in football is not a bad thing but Leeds aren't afraid to go direct and because of that you need a decent target man really to sort of make the most of it that's what they've really lacked uh, when when Bamford's been out so uh, yeah. you know I, m- I mentioned his finishing but even without the finishing he does he does bring extra things to that team so as Leon says if they can if they can just get him fit because he's he's just had this run of injury on injury as he's been trying to get back from well, if he can just get a, a consistent run of games, it'll do him good. It might even do England good in the, in the summer yeah. uh, in the Nations League. But Leeds fans won't be even remotely bothered about that right now. It's just about staying in the Premier League. Yeah, true. You just don't leave. I mean, obviously, people will go look at the you know the Watford game coming up and one or two others. You just think that Leeds they're going to need to get another bonus ball win from somewhere. I'm not quite sure where. Don't ask me where. But and to be fair, they've, they've sort of you know done that on. You know, occasionally, obviously, went to West Ham and did it, didn't they? So I, I just think somewhere down the line, they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to do that, and they're certainly capable on on the day. But yeah, obviously, a huge win against Norwich, they just had to win, didn't they? Really? Yeah. The, the other thing is, of course, we're at, we're at the time of year where you know you look at the, you look at the teams at the top. You know, look at Manchester City at Crystal Palace, and and their results don't always go as planned because they're putting so much pressure on themselves, and the you know the pressure of being in a in a title race or a promotion battle down the divisions can can force surprise results as it is. So there will be some surprise results in the last few weeks. And it's just, as Leon yeah. says, just fingers crossed that Leeds uh, managed to have one or two of them. Yeah, yeah, precious. Yeah, there's a pressure hard, isn't it? And obviously a lot of teams who, yeah. who it's important for. Yeah, that's right. And uh, next, we head off to Barnsley. Um, the Tykes conceded a very late equaliser for the second consecutive game when they drew with league leaders Fulham. They followed this with an excellent 2-0 win at home to Bristol City, and the results leave them only two points behind Reading and safety. Is uh, an escape on the cards, Leon? Well, yeah, they're staying... Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't put, totally put my house on anything, but they, they certainly stayed in the game, haven't they? And you, you sort of look... Where they were, I think they lost to Luton in in early early February. I think it was something like the seventh defeat on the trot. There were eight points behind Reading. I mean, it's basically been a four horse race, hasn't it, in terms of safety for a good while now. Reading fourth on bottom. There were eight eight behind them. Reading had the game in hand. So the you know there's just two points behind them now going into the final game before the before the window and. Um, you know, a little delicious twist is at the first, Barnes's first home game after the break is against Reading. So yeah, they're back in the race. They've done. They've had a good, had a good month. They could have easily got nine points from the, you know, from the three um, home games they've had. Five's probably about about par. And but yeah, they, they show the character, didn't they? Obviously, bitterly disappointing against. Um, I'd say Stoke in particular. I know in the circumstances they were also leading late until late on against Fulham but uh, you know one or two Barnsley fans were questioning substitutions but I think you've also got to remember that you know Harry Wilson really should have won that game for for Fulham on Saturday so you know they're proving they're proving they just look more of a team I think that's probably the best way to to describe it you know the centre-halves are playing well again Halleck and Anderson um, Gomez and, and, and Styles. Uh, you know they seem to be playing better in in midfield, and one or two of the other younger players mentioned there, Gomez, Vita, they look like they're finding the feet a little bit at this level. And up top, um, 
you know, they've got a real leader in, in Carlton Morris. That was the only worrying thing from the game on, on Tuesday night against Bristol City. Morris scored, but he, he came off 20 minutes from time with uh, appeared, appeared to be a, a calf issue. It didn't look too bad, but it was clearly bothering him a little bit. So, whether he'll participate in the, in the game at Sheffield United on, on Saturday, I'm not so sure about. But then they've obviously got the international break. That's a little bit of a worry. But, yeah, I mean, you, you, you'd think if you were ready, you'd be... You know, we really be looking over your shoulder. They got a good result at, at Bournemouth, but then they probably got in the dressing room and seen that, seen that Barnsley have won, and they're certainly on the best run of run of form of the season. And they just they are looking like like a team all of a sudden. I mean, sort of looking at the performance against Bristol City, it wasn't one of those where loads of players were getting eights out of tens, and there was some, you know, individual brilliance from a from a Queen or a Bassi who, who you know, admittedly they have been good signings, but. You know, it was a really, you know, solid performance at the front. Um, you had Carlton Morris, say, leading, leading the line, got his goal, midfield and at the back. And, you know, that's what you've got to do if you're going to pull out of trouble. You've got to have contributions, you know, not just from one or two places, but from, you know, across the um, pitch. And, you know, they're giving themselves a chance. I felt we spoke about the Leeds-Norwich game. I don't know what Stuart thought, but I, I just thought Bars, they had to win last Last night, you know, obviously they had two, you know, a decent performance against Fulham. But they only got one point, similar against Stoke. They just had to win, and and they did. Well, I mean, Poyers Bargi said himself before the game that um, that result would would frame how the last few matches had gone because you know they were yeah. they were two creditable draws. But if you then follow that up with a defeat, then two points from three games is no good to you. You know, five from three three games when you've taken a point off Fulham. It suddenly looks very good indeed, you know. And Reading, Reading basically just looked like they've they've been stood still, stuck in the mud all calendar year, really. And 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 Barnsley have just slowly reeled them in. So yeah, the the important thing from their perspective is that they've set up that first game after the international break to be to be a really big one. And and they must they they must go into that with more confidence than Reading are because they they've just got so much more momentum, as you say, Morris. Morris is a slight worry. Not quite sure how far off um, Corley Woodrow is yet, but but that that two week break might just come at the right time for for Morris to get healed up and and get ready to go. I, I just think it's been I think it's been quite impressive. You know, um, it, it, it's starting to look as though the pattern of Barnsley's season is that as Bargy came in and and, and had it tough at the, at the start, but but the Presumably, the work he's put in on the training ground, as well as as Leon's mentioned, two really good January signings, is just starting to come together, and it it just shows. You know, we're all guilty of being impatient in football, but sometimes when you when you give professionals time to do their job, th- this is what can happen, sort of thing. Mm. Um, and yeah, there, there, there was there were probably times at the back end of of the year when all of us were were, were wondering if if Barnsley had. had made a mistake with their change of coach but now all of a sudden it's looking a lot more positive hmm. yeah I mean he's given them some fight hasn't he and a bit of belief you, you speak to all the all the Barsley players and you know they all speak genuinely positively about his contribution there on the on the training ground and you know uh, really really proficient there and uh, players have bought into what he's what he's done I think you know if, if Barsley do Go down. It's not something you can really pin at his door. I think it's 
it's, it will be what's happened in the opening, uh, certainly the certainly the opening third of, of the season, and some pretty poor, um, you know, strategic decisions in terms of in terms of signings in in the summer. But you know, let's let's hope that they that they don't go down and they stay up. I mean, just, just sort of looking at the games, you know, the five unbeaten now at Oakwell, and you know, when you're a struggling side, if you're going to get out of it, your home form's really going to be going to be the foundation of it isn't it and you know you look at the games they've got left they've got Reading and they've got Peterborough so that's two opponents that you would you know probably you pick in Barnes's situation I think they've also got Preston and Blackpool and looking at it I think they're going to probably have to win at least three out of four there if not if not four to give themselves an opportunity but yeah they've given themselves a chance mm. and just one point I think worth making, not just about Sparky, but about all the coaches who are doing well in the Football League, particularly at the moment, and especially those who haven't uh, had a pre-season. We, you know, we talk about work on the trading ground, but these these lads, uh, these clubs are spending very little time on the trading pitches at the moment. They, they've almost got to find other ways to coach them. I mean, Jesse Marsh is talking about doing a lot of video analysis work with um with the Leeds players, and I think that's probably true of all all the clubs in the in the league at the moment. You know, rather than have them out on their feet uh, again when there's such a such a heavy workload of games, it, it just shows. You can see that Asbargi is a very talented and a very um, intelligent and modern coach. And um, yeah, a, a lot of this training groundwork won't actually have been done on grass. It will have been, you know, uh, well focused conversations. You know, to the point. Um, video clips and analysis and that sort of thing and I say what, whatever the methods they're working and, and a team that I think I think on this podcast we've pretty much written off at the back end of the year um, as Leon says have given themselves a real fighting chance and we and we know from Barnsley's history that they're you know they're capable of taking it when they get in this position yeah and uh, next we turn to Huddersfield. Um, the Terriers conceded twice in the final six minutes at West Brom to draw two all in a game that they dominated completely. Um, they remain very well placed in the playoff positions, but are the hopes of automatic promotion beginning to recede, Stuart? Well, obviously Bournemouth have got the um, got the whip hand in that respect because of games in hand, but you know. As, as everyone says year after year, and the reason it's a cliche is it's true. You'd rather have the points on the board than the, than the games in hand. And Bournemouth haven't exactly been in sparkling form at the, at the moment. You know, Leon mentioned them dropping two points um, at home to Reading uh, in midweek. They've dropped points uh, against Peterborough recently. They've lost at Preston. You know, Huddersfield, Huddersfield are in there competing. And, and to, be, to be perfectly honest with you, Nobody's going to see it as a disaster if Huddersfield miss out on automatic promotion. No. You know, like 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 the West Brom game as itself, it felt like a real disappointment at the time because you know they really were comfortably winning that game until uh, a, a slightly dubious penalty late on. But you look at it in the cold light of day, they they got a point way to West Bromwich Albion, whose budget massively outstrips theirs, whose expectations are far higher. That was a good result, you know. And if they only finish, let's say, fifth this season, uh, that's an incredibly good result from where they where they started from this season. You know, for them to even be in playoff contention um, after the last what four seasons they've been through, I just think that that club's done 
tremendously well and they shouldn't put too much pressure on themselves in terms of aiming for automatic promotion, even aiming for the playoffs. It should just be, let's go out there, let's enjoy it, let's win games and let's see where it leaves us. Because they're in this position of having played more games than everyone else and they've been, I think it's worked quite well for them. They've had a couple of uh, Friday games recently. Mm. They're in a position where they can basically just go out, do what they do and then say to the others, right, what are you going to do about it? I think it's a nice pressure to have, Stuart, even if they've got... They're probably, probably not going to finish second. I mean, I suppose you never... Strange things do happen in the champs. It, it would be unlikely, but, I, I, you know, why not have a little, little go, put a bit bit of pressure on, on Bournemouth? It's, it, you know, it's, I mean, I think the playoffs is a nice pressure, but that that as well, that's another little, little bonus, you know, if they do manage to, you know, get a good result in midweek and, and, and beat them, it's... Yeah, I mean, just... Have a little, have a little bit of a goal of nothing to lose in in that regard. And I, I think it'll it, maybe it'll keep them a little bit, a, a little bit added focus as well because they're in a little bit of a funny position in the respect that you, you know, barring a, a, a real sort of implosion, they should get in the playoffs now. You know, they've, they've got was it sixty three points? You probably need about another ten, eleven points, don't you? Really, and um, they do that three or four wins, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I echo what Stuart said. It's just been a really, really uplifting story, hasn't it? And you know, even though they obviously disappointing in the regard that West Brom came back, but they're still eighteen games unbeaten in the league. Mm. You know, and that's you know that's that's a magnificent you know a, a achievement for a club who you know who haven't got the, the benefit of you know big parachute payments. They haven't just come down from the the Premier League. They've had two seasons of of real. Um, struggle um, and uh, yeah you wouldn't uh, you, you just wouldn't sort of back against them they're a team who, who, who can handle it adversity they've got a very very strong dressing room they're well organised they've got experience in the in the right places and they've got some younger players who are you know making the names name for themselves you know the sort of Thomases of this world Lewis O'Brien so yeah the, the sort of chemistry looks looks good there and they can they can have some real fun, but there'll be a, a determination to you know f- finish this season you know with something as well. Even though everyone's saying it is a free hit and it is in some regards, but you know they prove themselves to be to be as good as anybody in that playoff shake up certainly, and they, and they've got a chance for me. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean you know the, the professionals bore us to death and then the drivers up the wall sometimes with their take each game as it comes mentality. But for Huddersfield, it's just play game. Win yeah. game, see what happens, sort of thing. They they don't really need to think about the about the wider consequences. That that's for the teams that are struggling to make sixth place to to fret about, and and you know for Bournemouth to fret about in terms of making second. If they just go out and do their job, keep enjoying it, uh, the rest will look after itself. And um, you know, th- I'm not saying that they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be ambitious, but they just shouldn't get wrapped up in it because it. it as I say, it, it will fall into place the way they're going. And, and I, I, I say that as well. I don't think that's a dressing room that will get carried away with itself and will will feel that negative pressure, as, as Leon has said. You know, if you're a footballer, you want the pressure of um, competing for you know cups and promotions and, and playoffs and things like that. It's the, it's the pressure Huddersfield have had for the last few seasons. That's what you don't want. So, yeah, just enjoy it. Um, and, and massive... Um, Claudits really for the for the um, for the season they're having. I can't speak highly enough of the of the way that 
that whole club's gone about things this season. Yeah, no. yeah I think I think with Corbron as well, it, it can be a nightmare for us journalists. He doesn't come out with real one-liners, does he? And it, you know, it's the same mantra you know, most weeks, isn't it? You know, um, concentration, intensity, focus. There's sort of key words that, he, that Corbron repeats all the time, but he genuinely is, even last season, when he's, he, he's just all about uh, this game, and then the, then it'll be about the next game. He did. He just doesn't look further forward at, at all. I mean, I remember the other week with some of the, especially the national journalists were trying to trying to get him to talk about Liverpool, you know, ahead of the Nottingham Forest time potentially playing them, and he just would not have it at all. You know, so but he is, you know, he's very consistent in that regard, and it's something that that he did last season. You know, he he, he treats every game as a one-off and strategically and getting the, you know, micromanaging, you know, every game and every every situation. Yeah. yeah and it works. He's not there to entertain yeah. us. He's there to entertain yeah. those field fans by putting wins on the board and he's doing it. So, yeah, yeah um, that that's the reality of it and a fair play to it. Mm. And next we turn our attention to Middlesbrough. Um, Chris Wilder's side returned to the playoff positions after a 0-0 draw at Millwall before gaining their first away win of the year away at Birmingham City. Um, with Chelsea and the FA Cup uh, coming up, um, the season seems to be coming together for for Middlesbrough, wouldn't you say, Leon? Yeah, I mean, we, we spoke about the Barnsley game against Bristol City, Leeds against Norwich, and I just felt for a few reasons that you know Borough had to had to win that game at uh, you know Birmingham in midweek. You know, we've spoken about we've spoken last week about the everyone knows about the home form has been magnificent. They won nine in a row. In all competitions, and they've, they've obviously got this juicy cup game with Chelsea coming up. But away from home, they've gone off the rails a little bit. They've, you know, the last win in the league was at Black Blackpool, the last game of the old calendar year. And yeah, there was questions asked after that. You know, they got comprehensively out out fought and outplayed at, at Sheffield United. A you know real bruising defeat there, and you know they were well beaten and deservedly so. And you know, questions then, they had to go, you know, go to Millwall, who've been on a, on a really good run of, run of form, difficult place to go, strong at home, dug out a nil-nil there, so I, I think that, that sort of questioned the, some of the issues about, you know, letting in, letting in daft goals on the road, they're obviously letting two at QPR, three at Barnsley, a couple at Bristol City, four at Sheffield United, so that was a, that was a building block, then they went to, uh, to Birmingham, I think the encouraging thing as well is that you know, the two lads who up front who they brought in in, in January in, in Connolly, who's not had the, he's not you know really hit the ground running. He's 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 had you know some difficulties in terms of winning the the, the fans over more than anything. He managed to get a goal, and you know Flo Balogun as well. I thought he, he did well the other week when I did the Barsley game. He came on and looked very lively, scored a lovely goal. So. Yeah, I think that was psychologically it was, you know, a, a big win in in Borough's season. They obviously go into the the quarterfinal now, and as, as Chris Wilder said, that'll just take care of itself. You know, he won't be he won't be worried about that. I and mean, obviously, it would be nice if, if from you know, a Borough perspective, if if they did win. But you know, the pressure's all on Chelsea. There, it'll be um, pretty much a full house, and there'll be and there'll be some more Middlesbrough fans as well. With obviously. You know, Chelsea only taking a reduced allocation. They can have some fun there, but they've just got that little bit of an insurance of having getting those three points at Birmingham because you know other teams will be in action on, in the league on Saturday. 
they might be a you know a little bit Borough might drop you know down to a seventh eighth something like that but they're still going to be in the in, in the race and they'll obviously have a the game in hand against it's Cardiff that they booked it in for the for late April maybe that might be significant you just don't know no. but uh, yeah I just thought it important to just get those you know bounce back from the Sheffield United game good points at Millwall um, win at Birmingham and you know get that sort of monkey off the back in regarding regarding their away form Hmm. Yeah, I think there's, I think there'll be quite a few clubs at the moment. It's, let's be honest; it's been a slog the last couple of months for yeah. quite a few teams. I think there'll be there'll be a lot of of championship clubs quite pleased to get the international break coming as it is, and I think Middlesbrough will be one of them. It's a good good opportunity to just recharge. But the important thing for them is that they're going into it in a good frame of mind. You know, as Leon said, that the last two away games have been really important for their uh, for their happiness frankly and I can't see the Chelsea game really damaging that in any way you know whether they, whether they whether they win or lose and they they do have a chance because of all the sort of turmoil around Chelsea at the moment and because they've beaten Spurs and Man United already you know um but yeah you you feel like they're going to go into it in good heart obviously as Chris Wilder pointed out not all of their players are going to get a break. You know, like so Paddy McNair are going to be away training and playing with their countries. But but for some of them, it'll just be a good chance to recharge. Even for the McNairs of this world, there'll be this sort of mental refreshment of just a change of scenery. And then they've just got to really go hard at April, you know, in the, in the way that they went really hard at, at, at December, January and uh, I, I, I think the other thing is, I, I think you know, for quite a few championship teams, let's be honest, it's been a bit of a slog the last couple of couple of months. I think they'll be glad of this uh, international break, and I think Middlesbrough will, will certainly be one. Um, and and the good the good thing for them really is that they go into it. They should go into it in in, in a good frame of mind because you know Leon's pointed out the the sort of psychological importance of those last two away games, and I, I really can't see the Chelsea Cup game, however it hands out doing too much damage to that because we've got a good, good chance of reaching Wembley with the, the turmoil Chelsea are in and, and the fact that Borough have already knocked Man United and, uh, and Spurs out of the competition but yeah you you just feel like some players will be will be really glad of a couple of weeks to just rest their, le- their legs some as Chris Wilder pointed out won't, won't get that chance they'll be away training and playing for their country but at least they'll get the sort of mental refreshment of a of a change of scenery and then they just got to come back, come out hard at april in the way that they they have you know december january february and i think the fixture list is quite well stacked really in in just the way that the home and away games are, are, are spread out and, and 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 who they've got to play and yeah they've just got to just got to refresh for a couple of weeks and then come out all guns firing really yeah you just wonder if one of those international players might come up with a uh, little niggles after the after the weekend. That's my what a little snick in me. <laughs> but, uh, I, what, what, I, what I would probably say is, well, with Riley McGree, that's probably another little point that he's he's obviously come in and he'd done pretty well for the first few games. He'd offered a bit of something in in midfield. It sounds like he'll be back after the international break, so that might hold a bit of significance for. Borough and I think one thing just quickly to say is that you know it's fascinating top six um, scenario absolutely brilliant um, it could well be 
boil down to what happens between the teams, really. I mean, like Sheffield United have got, I think they've got QPR twice, haven't they? And Middlesbrough have got to play Huddersfield, and there's there's all sorts going on. Forest have got to play QPR, on and on. It could ultimately boil down to how you know how well the teams do against each other when they have the little games. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be great to watch unless you're actually yeah. stuck in the middle of it, in which case it'd probably be absolutely horrible until yeah. the day you win at Wembley in the final, if you're lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And uh, speaking of Sheffield United, um, the Blades' recent good run of form uh, came to an end when they lost 4-1 at playoff rivals Coventry City. Um, and with a tricky-looking game coming up against Blackpool, how will Paul Heckingbottom need to get his team back to winning ways, Stuart? I mean, Liam was Liam was at the Coventry game, so he's, he's perhaps a little bit better uh, place to speak about it. But I did see the I did see the win before that against Middlesbrough, when they just played with a real energy and a real a real verve that had been lacking against Nottingham Forest. So he's got to get back to that. They're another team, really, that injuries are starting to to mount up a bit. They're another team who could do with international break. So. Um, for them, for them, and we were talking before the Blackpool game and before they played Barnsley, I think it's going to be a case of just gritting their teeth, getting yeah. through those two games, and then recharging their batteries. Because when they when they play with that energy that they played with against Middlesbrough, they are really hard to 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 live with. They're a really good team. You know, they've got the creativity of Morgan Gibbs White. They've got the ruthlessness of Billy Sharp. They've got some. You know, they've got a well organised defensive setup. They've got good wing backs. It, it's just about being on on top of the game, and the, these are these are these are really hard weeks at the moment in a in a football league season when the games are just coming thick and fast. But I say if they can if they can get through these next two games, take a breather, then I think their man Middlesbrough will be better for that in April. I think probably Sheffield United of all the teams are just you know de- desperate to get to this this break and, and regroup, aren't they? I mean, Paul Heggingbottom was speaking about. You know, he's, I think he said the other day that he's actually got more first team first teamers who aren't available than are. And you know, in terms of senior players, he had something like um, ten or eleven um, out. Didn't he? You know, you could count Jack O'Connell as well. A lot of a lot of senior senior players who've, who've served the club well, you know, currently aren't aren't available. And you know, at the minute, you know, Heggy might you feel for him in the respect that any. Anytime somebody goes down, he's thinking, how long is this going to be? Obviously, Ollie McBurney came on against Coventry, came off with a with a dead leg, the substitute substituted, and you know, you looked at Jeff United's bench at Coventry. They had um, two young lads who who not you know made the debut for the club, uh, another lad who'd, who made his debut the previous um, previous weekend. So you know, they are getting. St- Getting stretched and they've got some. I think it's caught up with them a little bit, hasn't it? I mean, it, it's. Don't get me wrong; they've had some excellent performances within this sort of congested run. They've had, you know, never, none more so than the than the Borough game, you know, where they were brilliant by all by all accounts. But it, it's just sustaining that, isn't it? Obviously, one four one there, then they ran straight into a into a Coventry juggernaut on the day. I, I mean, we're talking about teams in the mix and. You know, on that performance, the second half, it could have been, it could have, you know, been seven or eight. Really, it was a real. They got a real doing over Sheffield, Sheffield United. To be fair, Coventry were outstanding in the second half. So yeah, it's it just caught up with them a bit. They just, just hopefully for Sheffield United's sakes, 
they'll be wanting to get at least a win before the international break. Then they can regroup. I think they've got something like, is it four out of five or five out of seven after the break at home and they've been strong at Bramall Lane. So they'll just hopefully get through to Blake, hopefully not too much damage, get the players back and, and just go again. And, th- and this is why clubs really should, and should, you know, and Sheffield United have, have got a good record in that respect. Um, put a lot of focus on their academies. You never know when you're going to need them. You never know, you know, Middlesbrough never know when they're going to need Josh Coburn to pop up and score a goal, and Huddersfield never know when you know they're going to need Scott High to fill in. Um, obviously, Sheffield United's um, record in recent years of producing, you know, England players, the mind very good Sheffield United players is excellent, and. Every club should be should be doing this because it just it just adds extra depth to an already deep squad um, at a time when they when they really need it and it's you know it's it's it, on the one hand it's good to see them uh, see these young lads coming in on the other hand obviously all Blades fans would rather have with the greatest of respect you know the Chris Bashams and David McGoldricks of this world fitting out there but um, yeah uh, pleased to see pleased to see these young lads coming in and doing the job at least yeah. And uh, now we head to League One, uh, firstly at Doncaster Rovers. Um, Donny missed an opportunity to get closer to safety when they lost at home to fellow strugglers Gillingham. Uh, It's very tight at the bottom and there's still hope uh, for Rovers. And with a big game coming up against Fleetwood, um, it shouldn't be difficult to get the team uh, up for the fight, um, don't you think, Leon? Yeah, I mean, desperately di- disappointing against against Gillingham. Um, Stewart was there. I managed to see the to see the goal, and it was a you know really really poor and, and soft goal that was that was conceded there. It, it, it just seems to be that you know for every sort of bad result that, that Doncaster are having, and, and to be fair, they've, they've had some you know decent ones in recent times as well. They're not really getting punished by the other teams. It just looks a real league within it within a league. But you know, at some point. Doncaster's luck is going going to run out, isn't it? They can't, you know, they, they can't keep having results like they did against you know Gillingham at this stage of the season. Huge game at, at Fleetwood. I, I'd imagine it won't be a place for the for the faint-hearted. There is, you know, the, the, knowing Fleetwood as well, being there a few times, the wind will be blowing in it. It'll be, a, it will be a physical um, test and an examination there for Doncaster. But there's no, you know, there's no excuse. They're still just about in it, but. You know, for me, they're going to have to go there and, and get a win. Yeah, yeah. I I just can't work Doncaster out. To be honest with you, no. you look at the win, the wins they've had this calendar year. They beat MK Dons. That's a great win. They they won at Sunderland on Jermaine Defoe's debut. I think that was a great win. They won at Lincoln. That's a good win. They beat Accrington. I saw Accrington against Sheffield Wednesday this week. That's a great win. But then. I, I wasn't at any of those games. The games I've seen them, and I say I was at I was at the Chillingham game. They just look so devoid of belief and conviction. You know, even that goal Leon talked about it, it was it was a it was just a long throw into the box yeah, that they allowed to balance before it's headed in. And you just think any sort of leader would just deal with that, have the confidence, you know, either the goalkeeper to come out and claim it or a defender to come out and head it away, and and. That was 47 seconds into the game. From that point, certainly in the second half, Gillingham just sat back and said, right, OK, Donny, what are you going to do about this? So Doncaster yeah. had loads of the ball. You know, they passed it. If it, if it 
if it had been a, a training ground possession exercise, you'd say they played really well in that second half. But they just didn't have the bravery to play the risky passes. It was safe pass, safe pass, safe pass, not getting the ball in the box. And they, they just look like a team that just desperately lacks belief. And you, you wonder how a team that has got those four results I mentioned can be so lacking in belief. But there's ability there. If they can just harness it with a, with a bit of confidence and a bit of belief it will make a huge amount of difference. As Leon says, they're, they're still in it. We've, we've kind of been banging this drum in recent weeks. But if they're in a run of three games against teams they really need to beat, they've lost 4-0 to Cheltenham, they've lost 1-0 to Gillingham, Fleetwood completes the sequence. If they let that go without a win, then I really do worry for them because, yeah, so they, they, just, they, just don't seem, they just don't seem to have that... that belief to to make the most of uh, of the ability they have but as i say they pulled off those other results but they could well make a fool of me um with their results at fleetwood and frankly i hope they do yeah, yeah they just looked an east they look at a, a, a nice safe five-a-side team you know they've got some yeah. uh, decent lads ads in there but they just lack that little bit of a i don't know a, a nasty as you feel like a streetwise edge really and i'm not quite sure the statistics but they can't. I wouldn't be surprised. They, they can't have won many games after going behind this season. You know, it's almost as soon as Doncaster go behind. Not necessarily saying it's the white flag, but you know, heads drop. They can't. They haven't got the sort of wherewithal to sort of, you know, to, to really hit back. They've got some one or two really good pros, the likes of, you know, Tommy Rowe, who, you know, he's he's he, he, Doncaster go down. He's still been great this year, and he's been a you know an example, a really good top top pro great mentality um, they just haven't got enough of those for me the, the balance is a little bit um, a little bit skewed and I, I just sort of think as well you know all the teams will look at Doncaster and the team talk will be yeah they're a nice side they'll pass it around but get it in the mix they're a little bit they're a little bit flaky and soft and you know I'd imagine that's what um, Neil Harris, Harris at Gillingham pretty much said on Saturday and you know by all accounts the, the, the game plan worked in in that regard, and I would Im- imagine that the team talk from the from the, the management at Fleetwood will be pretty similar. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, the the only surprising, and it was obviously pleasantly surprising thing, was when Gillingham scored at full, after forty seven seconds. If you'd have turned to me then and said Gillingham won't score again in this game, I'd have been gobsmacked because they they do they do have this habit, Doncaster, of, of caving in, and they didn't do that to their credit on Saturday. But they they still didn't do enough at the other end. That that that's the thing, um, you know. The strikers, the, for all the possession they had, the centre forwards barely saw the ball, you know. And and they've just got to be, as Leon says, they've got to be nastier. They've got to be more ruthless. They've just got to want to grasp it more. Um, and it's it feels like you know probably because of the budget they're working on as much as anything else. They've got a few nicey nice young footballers who they're developing for other clubs. They need they need a few more nasty players a few more players will get stuck in but um, yeah so that's not going to change this season they've got what they got so they they've got to find it within themselves these lads to to really show they've got the character to have proper football league careers and and to just look at someone like tommy rowe and say yeah i should be more like that yeah there's going to be one or two there Stuart, who actually stay up by default a little bit though isn't it if you look at the, the bottom there there's you know there's some there's some poor teams down there like you know there's five or six but in a couple will stay up, you know, whether it's a Fleetwood, whether it's a, a Morecambe, 
or a Doncaster, so I suppose there's a little bit of hope in, in that regard, I suppose. Absolutely. I mean, you didn't look at Gillingham that day and think, wow, they're, they're definitely no. going to be uh, getting out of it. They, they, were, they were desperately poor, but they were just one goal less poor than Doncaster on the day. And um, next we turn to the other end of the table, uh, Rotherham United. Uh, the Millers remain top of League One in spite of a goalless draw at Wickham before a 2-1 win at home to Lincoln City. Um, in spite of their less than perfect form, Rotherham is still seven points above third place and looking good for automatic promotion. Um, what, what do you make of um, Rotherham's recent run of form and how, how do you think that they're going to continue, Stuart? Well, a bit like Sheffield United, really, and, and Middlesbrough, I think they're another one. Injuries are starting to stack up. They'll be glad of the international break as well. We're, we're expecting them to have an international break because they're, they're, they're playing Sunderland. And, and I would have I would have thought that one one team or the other will have enough call-ups that that game will get postponed. And they've got, uh, then they've got Wembley the week after. So it could well be three weeks without a game uh, while other two teams play a bit of catch-up. But they... They've just got to rest and recharge. But, you know, the fact that they're having these issues we've talked about with regards to Middlesbrough and Sheffield United, and yet they're, you know, without going into the exact numbers, I'm pretty sure they're picking up more points than those teams. They're, they're just grinding it out. They're doing what title winners do. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I just I just think, again, for them, it's, it's an opportunity to regroup and go again, but there's so much, there's so much character in that squad, and plenty of quality as well. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident they're going, to, they're going to be fine. Um, this, this, this spell is the sort of spell you always have. When you win a league when things aren't going your way, but you still find a way to get results, and uh, and all credit to them for that. Yeah, I mean three with, I mean three without a win isn't isn't really a. It's hardly a disaster, is it? You know, and they've got a yeah. couple of couple of jaws in there. But by by the way that things have gone this season for for Rotherham, it was you know I suppose it was a little bit of a test. And it just felt a big win that um, that for me at this point of the season they're on the way eighty points. Um, obviously, we've spoken about the players that that have been missing. I mean, it looks like as well there's a could be a couple of issues from that game as well. With was it Ollie Rathbone and Dan Balassa who've both been, you know. Two of um, among a number of you know great uh, and consistent performers for Rotherham all season, so that could be um, another issue in the in the mix for for Rotherham. But you know they've got some big good players, but they've got some big characters as well. They're on the Richard Woods of this world, Michael Smith, who's not just a he's not just goal scorer, he's just a real leader, isn't he up, up top? Ikewe as well, one one or two others. Yeah, important. They got over. Over the line there, I can, I can imagine other teams coming in and seeing that result, thinking, "Oh, you know, Rotherham." Maybe thought that Rotherham might be having a little, possibly a little bit of a sticky patch, and they've and they've and they've ground one out there. And you know, that's what it's all about. I'm a poor one speaking earlier in the season, and he was he was saying that you know the trick isn't it's not about losing in the in League One; it's about not losing, you know, back to back league games and. Off the top of my head, I can't. I don't think Rotherham that's happened to them has it this season. They yeah. haven't, you know, lost back to back league game, and everyone knows about the. They're they're away for you know the sort of away statistics. Even even if they're not playing brilliantly away from home, when you, you when you're a side who you know you pretty much don't won't concede in the first half of a game, 
you can grind out a result, can't you? You know, and obviously they got a nil nil at they got a nil nil at Wickham, good nil nil. Um, the other game as well, wasn't it? At, at Shrewsbury as well, they were you know, Shrewsbury pushed them all the way, played well, and still came off with a nil nil. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and you, and you mentioned Richie Wood there. I mean, Richie Wood's a 36-year-old centre-back who's basically held together by gaffer tape at the moment. You know, yeah. he's played three games in the last seven days. He's not supposed to be able to do that. Um, and yeah. it's that sort of determination. And, you know, that's that's the that's the leadership, that's the character that we're talking about when we say what teams like Doncaster have to find. Yeah. Rotherham have that in spades. You know, that's one player. Rotherham have that in spades in their squad. And that makes such a difference. You know, Rotherham don't have to play better than you to beat yeah. you and certainly not to, to not lose to you because of those extra yeah. qualities that, that they've got and that, that's what's setting them apart. Yeah. I mean as much as they're missing, you know, the, the you know, the Will Griggs and the Ladapos, and there have been occasions this season where they have, you know, have hit the straps in a goal scoring sense. They were all they're also a side who were happy enough just to grind it out and nick a one nil. And, you know, they've got two strings to the bow and that you know, that's another another reason why they're top of the division. Yeah. And uh, finally for this week, we head to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Saido Barahino um, helped himself to a hat-trick as the Owls put six past Cambridge United. Uh, they followed that result with a one-all draw at home to Accrington Stanley. Um, the fight for the playoffs is very tight, but with Wednesday sitting just outside the top six, it suggests it could be an exciting end to the season, Leon. Well, that just looked a real chance for, for me last night. I mean, obviously, they the come into the into the game on a massive high after, you know, demolishing Cambridge. There was a lot of fanfare. You know, it looked you know, it looked like they were gonna sort of show the other side of it really and just grind grind one out. We've just spoken about Rotherham, how important that can be. And um yeah, I mean it just goes sort of you know, flat again. It was you know, just like the other week, wasn't it? You know, Sheffield Wednesday hit the straps against against Burton. Everyone's talking things up, and they go to go to Lincoln and get done three-one. So yeah, that you suppose a real chance, you know. I'd imagine there'd be major relief in Sunderland for a start yesterday when they they heard that um, you know Accrington had, 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 had pulled it back. So yeah, bit, um, really disappointing and an unexpected result. And I know, I know that Stuart was there. I'm surprised. Well, I'd imagine he'd have been very surprised as well. Yeah, it, it was just League One in a, in a nutshell. You know, our our colleague Richard Hercock covered the 6-0 win over Cambridge. He got all the fun. I got the real slog on a Tuesday night. Yeah. And that's what that's what happens in League One. You know, that's why we're saying that Rotherham are so good at coming through these things, through these games. Accrington, you know, such an admirable club. I, I don't want this to sound patronising. But, you know, you look at the resources they've got and they really squeeze every last drop out of it you know they they are physical they are obdurate they are not great to watch some of the time you know i saw them i saw them uh, i saw them cause rotherham all sorts of problems a few weeks ago as well but rotherham found a way sheffield wednesday just weren't able to and 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 that's the thing you know when when sheffield wednesday when any club but you know when Sheffield Wednesday get in a role, there's always this danger that people get carried away. Yeah. You know, Barry Bannon will come out after the match and say, we'll go unbeaten for the rest of the season. It's just really difficult because that league is full of clubs like Accrington Stanley who just punch above their weight, you know, pull off Lincoln City or another one, you know, pull off results when you least expect them. And that's why there's just got to be a real 
sort of grinding consistency about about teams like Sheffield Wednesday, the, the sort of things that Rotherham are showing. You know, they did the job for most of the game, and then after 83 minutes, yet again, they conceded at a set piece. And if you've if you've got that Achilles heel in League One, it will be exploited. Um, so they really for Wednesday, it's just about keeping their focus, keeping their discipline, and just grinding away at it. Because you know, when the going's good, we saw what they could do on Saturday. You have no worries about them whatsoever, especially at Hillsborough. Yeah. But when yeah, they're going to tough, yeah, yeah, they've just got to fight it out. Sorry, Lee. Yeah, I was just sort of the same. I mean, thinking off the top of my head with League One, for every sort of side you remember who get promoted and have, and have been, you know, spectacular. I think I think remember Leicester ran away with it years back, mm. and Norwich as well. There's, it's mostly about the stays in that division, isn't it? The teams who just you know, really hang in there who. Are, you know, relentless in their approach and just chalk off off the wins. You know, we've, we, we sort of spoke about Rotherham in that regard, and um, it really is. It, you know, it can be a marathon that division, and you know that's what Rotherham and, and you know Wigan as well have just been t- tremendously consistent, and they've kept those setbacks to a minimum, haven't they? And um, you know that's why they are where they are. I just think, I think the next time Sheffield Wednesday wallop someone in a week or two, just sort of keep. They're better off keeping their heads down, really, and just just uh, keeping quiet, maybe. Yeah, yeah exactly. YorkshirePost.co.uk. Many thanks to Stuart Rayner and Leon Wobshall, who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene. But don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging onto our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport. Or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at jpimedia.co.uk. As ever, many thanks for listening. Look after yourselves and bye for now.